Hey listeners, before we get started, I wanted to share with you a brand new podcast that you might be interested in. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. This podcast is about all things Atlanta Braves baseball. They talk about roster moves, potential trades, game recaps. Now this may all seem cliche for a sports podcast, but they also include a special segment each week where they talk about controversial topics using only stats and logic and no bias. Controversial topics such as which Braves player should or should not be in the Hall of Fame, why your favorite player may not be as valuable as you think they are, or how certain players you may not like deserve more love. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. You can currently catch this podcast. See what I did there? Catch this podcast on Spotify or on Anchor.fm. It's sure to be a hit. It is now the year 3000. Your great-great-great-granddaughter is doing fine, but the rest of the world is now overrun by zombies. Most of nature and humanity has all but become extinct, except for... Cats. Whoa, whoa, hold up. Cats? Yes, cats. With their innate ability to sleep most of the day, they have remained still and silent enough that the zombies have never noticed their complacent existence. And three of the most famous cats in the world have united together to do something about it. Garfield. Oh, I miss lasagna. Meow Meow Pussycat. I Meow Meow don't like Meow Meow zombies. Maybe we can Meow Meow call someone else? I agree. I'd rather nap again. Tony, what do you think? Should we call in Kitty Swift? Yeah, they're great! Whoa, whoa, hold up. They? Who are Kitty Swift? I'm getting there. Jeez. Okay, sorry. Continue. So our protagonists call in the trifecta trio. The perfect snuggle bugs. The feline furballs. The... Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. Who are they? <clears throat> they call in Olivia Benson, Benjamin Button, and Meredith Gray. What happens next? Unfortunately, kiddos, we have run out of time this week. Aww. Tune in next time for the catatonic conclusion to this catastrophe. Only on. Masterpiece Theatre. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above Average Show Show! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Above Average Show Show. We have an awesome episode for you today. Our guest today, she has worked on several projects, including Space Babes from Outer Space, Frankenstein Created Bikers, Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse, The Movie, The Devil to Pay, Get Over It, Izzo, B-O-B-A, which is an amazing music video if you get a chance to watch it, Spring Break Zombies Massacre, The Mark. She's worked as a producer. She's worked as an actress. She's worked in makeup. She's worked as a PA. She's worked in pretty much everything you can name on set. <laughs> so our guest today is Allison Mayer. Allison, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? 
I am doing awesome. I am so glad to talk to you because it's it's been half a decade since I've talked to you, I think. It's been a while. It's been a long time since we were in the zombie trenches together. Oh, yeah, that's whew, getting hit with paintballs. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing I never did. I never did the paintball range. Well, so we worked together at Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse, the haunted house. And you know what's fun about that? I um, I still have my hoodies, and sometimes people will recognize the shirts or jackets. And a lot of people in the Atlanta film and theater community were big fans because it wasn't just a typical haunt. It had that immersive theater aspect. So I still get positive feedback about the haunt, which is fun. Oh, yeah. I've gotten people talking about it, too. And the one thing that I loved about it is that exact same thing is it's like, dinner with a show except you don't get dinner (laughs) but it's a haunted house too so there's an actual script and a storyline that you're going through this haunted house it's not just going in and hey here's a gag here's a gag oh something's shaking oh loud noise flashing lights and the same thing over and over there's an actual script and a story that you go through which puts you into the middle of that story which is what I loved about it And there are actual tasks that as uh, someone going through the haunt, you had to complete, you had to engage with the guides to move on to the next room. So it, it, it made you personally responsible for the welfare of your group. And I think people really don't expect that. I've never been to another haunt that does that. I know they exist, but they're definitely the minority of the haunts out there. My favorite part out of all of the years was when Eddie was our tour guide And he got us to a book where we had to recite a chant. And he said it in a way that you didn't realize until you said it really fast that you were reciting a Michael Jackson song. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was the, we had to get the Necronomicon. And I, I was a guide that year. And I remember one time we got like the person in the group to get the book. And then they had to take it to the room where we would say the incantation and somewhere between that part and the next, they had dropped it. So we got <laughs> to the final room and we were like, okay, get out the book. You have to read the incantation. And they were like, we don't have it. And, I, and that's where, it, so there was a lot of improv involved. Oh, wow. Like, oh, it's okay. I memorized it. Or uh, sometimes, I think we, because that happened periodically, we wound up having a, a second book in that room just in case <laughs> the group didn't make it that far with the book. So. And that's one thing that I loved about it, too, was that all of our actual actors got to improv, even though there was a script. So it wasn't like you have to stick to the script. You just have like the basic storyline and just make sure you get from point to point. But you have to get your group who's saying whatever they want to (laughs) to the next point. Yeah, and we all got to make our own characters. Uh, You know, they had to fulfill the same purpose, but they could be any variation on that that we wanted. And every group was different, so you never knew what you were going to get. And it was really great cardio running through there every night. Oh, it was. Yeah, that was some tough cardio for people who don't work out very often. (laughs) And speaking of zombies, I'm going to go ahead and shift directions real quick here because I want to make sure that we specifically talk about you getting to work on Spring Break Zombies Massacre. Yes. Just the title alone sucks you in right off the bat. So uh, so working at Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse, uh, Shane Morton did all the makeup, and I started assisting him there. And he had a friend uh, from New York City who was a friend of a friend who was working on this project, Spring Break Zombie Massacre. And... I got 
the call, Shane said, I have this script. You have to read it. It's like one of the best things I've ever read. And he said, like, I don't care whether we're getting paid or not. I don't care if I have to walk. Like, I'm going to Providence and I'm going to work on this film. And like, it's just got to happen. So I think like the next day I went over to Shane and Madeline's and read the script and was like, I am so on board. I I, like same (laughs) don't care if I get paid don't care what happens from here I want to work on this so then they were doing casting and they were having trouble finding actresses to play uh Sam and Maddie's girlfriends and so Madeline and I were invited to submit and luckily we were cast and one of the really funny things about that is I was cast as the bad girl and Madeline was cast as the good girl. And that's uh, against type for both of us. <laughs> it was a fun switch to our typical roles. And I got to be a demon and she got to be the good, sweet girlfriend. And for anybody who hasn't had a chance, we will post the link to the trailer um, up on our social medias and everything. Just watching the trailer alone, totally worth the 30 to 45 seconds that it is. So you've actually gotten to watch the movie which is incredible because it's not available to anybody else. And unless you go to the conventions and the film festivals that they're showing it at, it's the only way to watch it, which it's getting rave reviews at every place that it's played too. Uh, Give us a little background about what the movie is actually about other than just a zombie massacre. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Spring Break Zombie Massacre was written by Sam Sukman and Maddie Zufelt, and they are best friends who met, I think, when they were eight. They've been friends for their whole lives. In real life. Yes, in real life. (laughs) And they had this dream to make their zombie movie, and they wrote Spring Break Zombie Massacre. Sam's older brother, Jesse, helped produce it and uh, their friend Bobby Carnavale is a director and he came on board and they helped them finish the script and storyboard it out and then they funded it on Kickstarter and it did really well it took off it got fully funded they also had a lot of people volunteer time and resources and uh, Sam and Maddie both have Down syndrome so it's a particularly important film because they are not filmmakers that are given a seat at the table typically. So the goal was to let Sam and Maddie creatively control this film, write in it, star in it, have it be their vision and just support them in that and not make it about anything else. Uh, And we also, they recorded a documentary covering from conception to fundraising to shooting to post to the actual festival um, touring. And that will hopefully be out in the next year or two. So I didn't even know they were documenting it. That's incredible. Yeah, and there's going to be some special surprises. Uh, after with the festival touring, I know that they filmed some stuff that I was not expecting in a fun way. So I, they have so much footage. that I think they have footage from at least four years of work. So oh, wow. I have... No idea how they're going to instill that down to one little uh, documentary, but I can't wait to see it. And you also got to work on a music video, Izzo B-O-B-A, which was a parody of Jay-Z's song, Izzo H-O-V-A, Hova. And it's an incredible Star Wars parody. They, They got all of the costumes, they got makeup, they got everything to look very, very Star Warsy. They had sets and everything, and they intertwine some of the actual Star Wars footage. 
Uh, what was it like working on that set with all of the geekness that was going on? Oh, man, I'm a huge geek, so working on something like that was kind of a dream come true. I met the director, Matt Schwartz, through another comedy shoot, and they had this coming up, and he so he knew my look, and he also knew my nerd nerddom, and so he asked if I would be interested, and I said yes, and then we collaborated on the costuming, uh, so I wore the Hut Slayer Leia, as I like to call it, uh, the metal bikini, and I actually we bought a costume version, but then I modified it because I do cosplay and things like that on the side and, uh, made the costume, did my own hair and makeup. Uh, yeah. And I was really happy with how it came out, but the comedic timing, I think once the edit was done, that was like what floored me. And they involved some of the local star Wars cosplay groups. That's part of how the costumes Ah. that they got, we're so good. Yeah. They're like people who do this as a very, professionally. <laughs> yeah, like as professionally as you can be Chewbacca, that guy. <laughs> so, uh, and that was cool. Cause then I got to meet like this whole other swath of nerd, um, that I, you know, I've met people in passing at dragon con, but the star Wars universe nerds that do the cosplay stuff, it's a very niche group and they're all really awesome and generous and wonderful people. And all of this brought you to get up to the title of producer, and you got to produce a couple of projects. Uh, You got to produce on The Devil to Pay, and you also got to produce and star in Get Over It. What was it like being a producer? And talk to us a little bit about The Devil to Pay project. So I worked my way up from uh, when I worked on makeup, I enjoyed it, but my passion for doing the art didn't translate to doing it on set because it's very high stress. Everyone's always waiting on you. Everyone's yelling at you. And for special effects makeup in particular, it's just super high stress. Uh, So I did that, didn't love it, but got to be on set in a capacity, in a working capacity. So then I started to PA through friends. Actually, the DP on Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse, the movie, Tom Bingham, took me on and brought me on as a PA for some commercial projects. And then one of my friends, Laura Scott, who was working for him as a production coordinator, brought me into the production office. So as a PA, my, my duties went from being on set to the paperwork in the office, organizing crew paperwork, things like that. And then from there, I worked my way up to production coordinator, which is helping make the call sheets, um, giving the crew calls, sourcing things, insurance, contracts, payroll, uh, paperwork, things like that. And so that primed me for producing. So my friends, Ruckus and Lane Sky, there was a commercial, a hidden camera commercial that we did where... I casually mentioned that I was an actor, so he put me in a spot and actually made the (laughs) cut, which is exciting. So we struck up a friendship, actually, because of our shared love of cats. And then then I started working with Lane in the production office. Uh, Ruckus and Lane Sky are both writers and directors from Atlanta, Georgia, and they did commercial work on the side to pay the bills like a lot of us do. And... They've had this project that they've been waiting to go, and they've just got sick of waiting, so they decided, let's write our own indie feature, let's get our friends to pitch in, use what we have, and let's make a film we're proud of. And that is where The Devil to Pay, which uh, the title during the festival run was Reckoning, but it's uh, now The Devil to Pay, that's 
how that came to be. They wrote the script for um, Danielle Deadweiler, an amazingly talented local actress. She was in episode six of Watchmen most recently. She plays Hooded Justice's um, wife in the flashbacks. And they wrote it for her. And the cast was like heavy hitters from Atlanta talent. Jason Werner Smith, Brad Carter, Catherine Dyer. Uh, and so I got to, well, <laughs> they asked me to be a character, which is a, a monster named Crowman first, because they wanted my input with my special effects experience on creating the character that they had in mind within our very limited budget. And then they asked me, you know, we've been thinking about it. Would you be interested in coming on as a producer? And I had produced smaller commercial shoots, but never anything like a feature. But I, I trusted them and I love them and I love the project. So I just jumped in headfirst and <laughs> we had a very short amount of time for pre-production. We shot for, I think it was, it was less than a month. We started on Halloween oh, wow. and we ended right before Thanksgiving. And uh, we were shot it in Hiawassee, Georgia, which uh, thanks to Michelle Moreland, she's a homeowner up there who literally donated our base camp house, helped us get locations, helped us get background. She was just like an amazing resource. And it's a super, she's very supportive of the Atlanta independent film community. We made it happen. And like producing for me is one of those things that I don't enjoy the process, but I enjoy the outcome. It's a very stressful position. Ultimately, a lot of things are on your shoulders. Uh, and in very specific examples, people's safety, which is a huge concern of mine. But afterwards, when you realize that you've helped facilitate this collaborative experience where people had a good time making it and are proud of the product and we're telling a compelling story and we're getting these stories out there. That's the reward for me. Similarly with Get Over It, um, that was my friend Megan Massa of Chorus Films in Atlanta, Georgia. She uh, wanted to write a story for me and I wanted to do some more dramatic work. And so it's kind of the two of us. She wanted to direct something again. It had been a minute since she'd had that opportunity. I wanted to do some more dramatic work. So she wrote this piece for me and I came on board as a producer to help make it happen. So Awesome. And just to give everybody that's listening a frame of reference, most major movies will film in about two, two and a half to three months. So <laughs> filming that much within a 30 day period unless you're Tyler Perry, is incredible. <laughs> well, and we had our, some of our crew came from out of town, so we had very real deadlines. And we also stuck to 12-hour or less days uh, out of, you know, a safety concern for our crew. And I think there was maybe one day where we got to 13 hours, but we stuck to that pretty, pretty strictly. So we did it. I don't know how, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> And one thing that I forgot to mention at the beginning, too, were all of the commercials that you worked on. Because you got to work on commercials for Home 2 Suites by Hilton. You worked on AT&T commercial, Snickers commercial, a Durex commercial, commercial <laughs> sure. for Honda, and a commercial for the University of Technology of Sydney, UTS. And Strayer University. Strayer University was my first, I think, real nationwide ad that I did. That one I didn't send you a link because it's not online. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been busy on both the 
film projects, you've done TV projects, you've done commercials, you've done a little bit of everything. I call myself a dabbler. I love film and I love being on set and I love the collaborative form that it takes. The uh, Working on the production side of things, it's creative because it's troubleshooting. There's always something that goes wrong and there's always some puzzle to solve and it's always challenging and new in that way. So it was a really exciting field to work in, but it's also very high stress. And uh, I have always dabbled as an actor. And then back in 2017, after I produced Reckoning, I was just like, you know, I've made a feature I'm really proud of. I feel like I've kind of let this side of my career run its course. And I've been beating around the bush with my acting for a long time. So why don't I just double down and focus on that for a little while? And would you consider being an actor, like, your main passion or do you think it's just for like right now this is a good time to pursue this passion or do you kind of see it as a long term this is where I want to stay for a while I have always wanted to be an actor ever since I was like five or six years old and I just never thought it was a reality I was never in a market or an environment where that was something that someone said hey this is like a real career you could pursue so I feel like it took me dipping my toes in and getting involved on the production side to realize like, this is a career and this is what I want to do. So I think whether acting is my mainstay of my career forever, that has yet to be seen, but I will always be acting. And I just realized that we never actually asked my first question that I ask everybody, but you kind of covered it already. (laughs) And how did you get started in the film industry? So I, even though I'm a dabbler, my career is kind of linear in the sense that I was taking, I was finishing college at the University of Georgia. I majored in psychology and I minored in theater, which I was working in the costume shop and taking makeup classes and actually missing class to go work at the haunted house and then writing papers about what I was learning. (laughs) So uh, I was working in theater and film in that sense and doing student projects. And then I started working at the haunted house, Atlanta zombie apocalypse and started assisting in makeup. And then Jonathan Ray and Eddie Ray co-wrote a feature, an indie feature that uh, Johnny Ray directed called Atlanta zombie apocalypse, the movie. And that was my first set I was ever on. And I PA'd, I acted, I assisted with wardrobe. I just like did everything. And I had no idea what I was doing because I'd never, (laughs) (laughs) I think I had extraed on Teen Wolf and maybe like one or two other things just to see like what sets were like, but I had certainly never worked on one. And then from Atlanta zombie apocalypse, the movie, I got more commercial work through the crew that was on that, who saw that I was trying really hard and maybe listened and tried to do a good job. So from there, I was able to do the makeup work, uh, makeup assisting with Spring Break Zombie Massacre and Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell with Shane Morton, and then do the production work with Johnny Ray and Tom Bingham. And they do a lot of work for Adult Swim, which is another way that I met more people and got more work. So it was totally uh, organic in the sense that I would just show up and be like, sure, I'll try that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was just always acting on the side, but just not making it a priority. And it definitely takes somebody special to just jump into those positions because not everybody is able to do all of the positions that you've done. Uh, I've watched people try and do makeup and 
absolutely fail at it. I've seen people try and produce, and they absolutely fail at it. I've seen people try and act, and they've absolutely failed at it. And the fact that you are succeeding at <laughs> all of these things is incredible. That was one of the things that Shane taught me early on. I was very shy about doing these things. I was like, I don't know. I'll try and see what happens. And Shane was like, the minute you get paid to do any of this, you are a professional, whatever you are a professional makeup artist, you're a professional actor. And I really think that that's true. By the time that someone's giving you paid work, you're doing it professionally. So it's, it's important to acknowledge that you are a professional in whatever field at that point and give yourself that credit. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a little indie thing. It doesn't matter if it's short. If somebody trusts you and is happy with your work, be proud of it. I don't think I could have said that better. In my head, I was like, yep, 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 yep. But I, didn't <laughs> want to, I did not want to interrupt you. But yeah, that's perfectly worded. You just have to believe in yourself and know that you can do this because other people believe you can do it. Well, that's I when I started taking acting more seriously and putting myself out there more, it was scary, don't get me wrong, but I always said, like, I'm just going to keep doing it until someone tells me I'm not good or, like, I should stop. And <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Don't even let that stop you. That's true. You never know what that person who's giving you that advice, where they're coming from. So Because yeah. you're always yeah. going to have haters, especially as you move up and get more and more better at your craft. People are not going to like you just because you are better. So you, you got to keep pushing through all of that and just kind of ignore all the people that hate you and just keep listening to the people that love you, the people that are encouraging you and the people that know and trust you that you can do these things because you actually can do them because you have done them. Well, and build yourself, build your community with people that lift you up rather than drag you down. And that's something that I think we've all had to learn the hard way in our own little little individual circumstances. But once you have that community of people who believe in you and who support you, you can also trust them to give you honest feedback. And that is the kind of create, uh, environment in which you'll thrive. And again, that was perfectly worded. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible with words. Have you done writing too? Because you really need to write the way that you come up with the words. <laughs> uh, well, so during the quarantine, I have been writing. I've always written on the side as well. I feel like I'm one of those people who's just like, I don't know, I'm creative, but I'm not focused enough to be like particularly outstanding in any one <laughs> field yet, which is why I'm trying to focus on acting. But, <laughs> um, but I have been writing. I've been making some fine art. With my experience and my goals, I would like to create a short film. Like I want to have it written and storyboarded out and be able to direct it whenever it's safe to do things like that again. <laughs> so that's one of my goals for sure. So for those of you listening to, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. I don't want to say the middle because I'm hoping it ends soon. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we're closer to the tail end, but we're at the middle of August. So mm -hmm. not knowing when this is going to end, uh, everything's still kind of in a semi lockdown. Things are opening up a little bit, but the stuff on set is still sometimes iffy, sometimes there's great regulations on what's going on, um, which we talked about before we were recording, and how mm -hmm. right now you're being very particular about the projects you choose because of the safety of the coronavirus and COVID. 
Yeah, in general, if someone doesn't put the safety and the well-being of their crew, like if that's not your top priority, I don't really want to be on that set. Because at the base, like, yes, we want to tell the story, but people's lives and well-being matters more. And you can do both. (laughs) So if filmmakers aren't prioritizing that right now, I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But that being said, I have had a couple of shoots during this time. And I've also was in the unique position of being in a play that was supposed to open in May. And obviously that did not happen. So we've been doing it on Zoom, just rehearsing and not really knowing where it's going to go, but still doing the work and staying involved with each other. So for a lot of us right now, we're in kind of a holding pattern, but I think it's important to take this time and focus on what you can make and what you do have control over. I watched a thing with Mark Duplass recently, and he was talking about swing the sword that you're given. So work with what you got. We all have the ability to make something right now, whether it's writing, just conceptualizing. Acting-wise, I've also been writing monologues, uh, just original pieces. So there's still stuff to be done. It's not the same. But But we'll get back to it. Yeah. Meanwhile, stay creative. Keep keep pushing out product and... And eventually we'll all get to it and we can start making all of this, all of this awesome stuff that we've been building up for the last four months. Yeah, I'm really hoping that once, you know, things are safe again, there will be this, this floodgates of creativity opening and people getting their stories out there that wouldn't have had the time or resources to focus on prep otherwise. So, And let's go ahead and get things wrapped up um, as we close up. Allison, do you have some social medias or anything that you'd like to plug? So I'm not super great about the social media stuff, but you can follow me on Instagram at, at all is not on. It's Allison with not in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you can also follow me on Facebook and I do post to my Instagram and Facebook when I have things coming out. There's also, if you want to keep up to date with the devil to pay, which is going to be released on October 6th on video on demand, uh, you can follow ruckus and lane sky That's uh, S-K-Y-E on Instagram, and they'll be posting updates about that release and the trailer and things like that. Cool. We will go ahead and share all of those on our social medias, plus we'll also do the IMDB, as we always do. Oh, can I give a shout-out to someone? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to mention... um, During this time, I've been super lucky. Part of me shifting my focus to acting means that even my survival work, I've tried to make it tangentially related to acting. So I was working at Drama Inc. as an audition taper, which is a local acting studio owned by Catherine Dyer, Jason McDonald, Scott Poitras, and Claire Bronson. And I met Catherine Dyer on The Devil to Pay and took one class and immediately was like, please hire me if you ever need someone. (laughs) And they've just been really supportive and great about keeping us engaged as a community and prioritizing our well-being as employees. So I want to thank them for that. And they also have online classes if you're feeling stifled. There's resources out there. You can still be learning. Not the same, like I said, but (laughs) it's something. And we'll try and share those, those links and stuff so you guys can find where those classes are and everything. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you, Allison, for hanging out again. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. And we will see you guys maybe next week. We may take a week off. But we will be back again shortly with another episode of the Above Average Joe Show. Yay!
Thank you again to our special guest, Allison Mayer. Be sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and look us up on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also check out another podcast I co-host, The Extra on Ordinary, and some other great media content by Moon Possum Productions at moonpossum.com.